0: the the bonds forged in warfare or expedition are like second to none you know like when you physically put your life like your time on this planet in someone else's hand like there is nothing more on earth that you can do that that effectively renders you lying on your back with your belly up you know waiting for them to do the right thing or the wrong thing
1: Welcome to the Adventure Podcast and Episode 88 with Aldo Kane. Aldo has featured on the podcast twice before, once in the early days of the Adventure Podcast and once as part of our Solitude specials in 2020 during lockdown. For those who don't know, Aldo is an ex-Royal Marine sniper turned adventurer, explorer, and TV rigger and safety specialist. In this episode, we talk about his latest expeditions and experiences, as well as adapting to fatherhood and the inevitable changes that being a parent brings. Okay. Over to Aldo Kane. So, let's rattle on. Um, I guess it's worth doing a little introduction. We have chatted before, yep. but for those who haven't heard that, I know who you are. Who are you? What do you do? What's I you
0: am know? Aldo Kane. Um, I work in television, film. So I look after. Um, film crews in extreme, remote, hostile locations around the world, uh, which you're very familiar um, with. So, um, you know, my background was in the Marines, but now I look after film crews around the world and get to go on some pretty cool trips, expeditions, and, and jollies, basically. And speaking of jollies, what have you been up to? Uh, we did, <coughs> So I've just this year just finished a um, a big project called Ocean X or Ocean Explorers, which is a, um, a, a a documentary series for National Geographic Channel. So it's six hours um, or six episodes. And it's filmed by, so it's like a hybrid of, like if you've seen Blue Planet um, and like Blue Planet, then it's the same team that made that. And also um, it's James Cameron of Avatar, Titanic, uh, epic Hollywood director. Um, and so so it's like this big that's a beast, really, like ocean explorers is this like modern day jack Cousteau ocean exploration, science toys, um and when I say toys, I'm talking like submarines and helicopters and rovs and all that sort of stuff um so I just got back off the third and final trip of that, so it was this year, so twenty twenty one was three two month um expeditions on the ship, and we. Um, surveyed and and filmed in like three or four locations in the Atlantic. It was supposed to be the Indian Ocean. COVID sort of struck and the entire production had to effectively go into like re-roll mode of like, where and how can we make this work? Um, and uh, so the Atlantic Ocean was easier logistically and, you know, to manage COVID, it was easier, uh, I think, for the production to to manage it from stateside and UK side. So uh we filmed in bahamas and then dominican republic and then across into the azores and then up into svalbard and then from svalbard north up to the ice edge um so yeah massive ma- massive beast of a series um there's four of us uh that are the inverted commas explorers um and we you know it's an on-camera role for me um which, you know, I'm, I'm mission ops, they call it, so I'm running the expedition. And then I have uh, on my team um, amazing um, scientists and, and tech people, uh, Zaleka, Eric, and Melissa. And they are, it's an international crew of scientists, basically. Then we have the boat, and the boat is Ray Dalio, who's a hedge fund manager in, in the States. It's, it's his um, toy, basically. for it, It's the best-equipped oceanographic survey vessel on the planet um it's it's like it's epic it's the next it's a converted oil um vessel or like a, i'm not entirely sure what it was doing before but it's been converted completely like a heli deck built on it and you know the rov hangar has all been like after fitted retrofitted onto it two submersibles on there um so so really it's been, it's been a, an amazing year for for that but it has only weirdly for me just been the one project really that i've that i've worked on
1: and what was the purpose of it what we're we trying to achieve
0: mm. the purpose basically is is to explore the ocean using as many assets as we have to then show the world how valuable an asset that the ocean is um and how uh, I suppose really in, in layman's terms, it's to do as much science as we can to show the current state of the oceans and the wildlife in it. Um, and, you know, anything from, you know, it's, we're a year out now from it being on the screens, on on National Geographic. Um, so I can't say too much about all the content, but it does involve, you know, cutting edge and world first um, and discoveries in discoveries and the places we visit and the things we do. Um, and I think the... You know, the major part of it was is that uh I like right this the start on the first trip of two months, we had a big decision to make, which involved basically uh, my wife giving birth and me not being there. Um so that was that was a tough call to make, but you know what it's like, sort of in this world of adventure and expeditions, essentially, you know, it's not as clear cut as having a ninety-five job no some things like relationships, friends, jobs, you know, like people sort of fall by the wayside just because, you know, we're away so much, we, you know, it's difficult to hold things down. And anyway, so I missed uh, the birth of uh, my
1: boy, which was tough. But you, it was planned that you'd miss it. Planned, yeah. How did that negotiation go?
0: Uh, well, it's something that I probably didn't think that I would ever be having a chat about. You no, know, it's not in, it's, it's weird because it's not an everyday occurrence. You know, I left it slightly later. Um, and, you know, I suppose it was never on my radar. And, you know, then we decided, let's, you know, let's try for a kid. And it was lockdown. Um, and uh, same as you. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, the timings, really, I have to be honest, it was how COVID affected Anna and I. That's how we, you know, I haven't had COVID yet, uh, you know, it's not affected me yet, no one that I know personally has died from it, um, and, you know, that was, you know, if I look back on that period of time, that was the one big thing that COVID had impacted, direct, had a direct impact on our life because the shoots changed from six three-week trips in the Indian Ocean coming back in between to, you know, COVID protocols, we can't fly people home we have to compress all the shoots into three blocks of two months are you still interested because you know it's a hard stop if you're not like you you know you have to be on board and you can't go home um so we we sort of chatted about it for for weeks probably just about christmas time actually when i was in in fact i just bumped into leo the other night um and and we were having a chat about uh, the last time I saw him, and it was sort of over a beer, thinking, "God, I don't know what to do. I've been given an ultimatum. I've got this job, but I'm going to miss Anna giving birth." Um, so yeah, we, you know, that you know, three, four, five weeks of deliberation, and then we made the call that I would still do the job. I would more than likely, like ninety-five percent, miss the birth, but I'd then be home for two months almost immediately. Um, and if you look at normal paternity leave, it's two weeks, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so that meant, you know, I, I missed a birth, uh, I get home and then I've got two months at home before I need to go away again. So it was, it was a big, tough call, but amazing. You know, I, I was in, I was in the Dominican Republic that sort of morning I'd been free diving with humpback whales, six or seven massive group, sort of almost life-changing event to be involved with. Um, and then came out and, and then watched my son being born on whatsapp call <laughs> and, and uh and and then got incredibly drunk that night on ship um to to sort of celebrate but it yeah it was a weird set of days but um like i say got back 17 days later and and um, was home for two months you know and I, I guess by that point all the men in the nct group that we were sort of part of which was all zoom by the way because it was locked down same um They, you know, they would all be back at work and doing their things. And I was just getting home to start being dad, I guess. Uh, Then we had another two trips of two months. um, And the last one that we just got back from was up in Svalbard, up in the far north. So lots of uh, climate change chat and science, working with glaciologists and, you know, working with guys who are, you know, studying the ice. Um, the ice caps on Svalbard melting um, and also the glaciers melting, and also the sea ice you know whether it 's retreating and how fast it 's retreating and um so it was quite quite an eye opening year as far as filming goes it's been it 's been good it 's been one project and it's been tough um and very different to what I normally do you know it's one it's on camera um, and two it's you know it 's quite taxing mentally like it's science heavy sort of stuff and adventure.
1: And I was gonna ask you that, like how have you found because I think even since we last spoke, like your public profile has skyrocketed. And I, I don't know if I'm wrong about this, but you seem like the kind of reluctant celebrity of all of the fame chasers. How have you found the transition to on screen?
0: Um, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't even say it's been a transition. I'd more say it's like a sort of segue. My my trajectory has always and will always be Hopefully helping other people achieve their things, like whether I'm doing safety, logistics or medic work, whatever it is. Um, and I kind of look at it as a great opportunity, but you know, it's television's quite fickle in the way that, you know, is wh- when you're on there for however long you're on there for and, and then eventually you'll be then you'll be finishing and on the way down. So it's it's kind of cool, you know. I'm with all these things, uh, you know, that I end up on screen, I am actually just doing my job. Um, i'm not chasing fame fame for fame's sake or or anything like that which is you know i i am staying you know the bottom line is i'm staying true to my passion and my passion is adventure um, and expeditions that's what i do and if it ends up on tv it ends up on tv and if it doesn't it doesn't so um the 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 on camera stuff is i you know if i'm there in and, and there's a camera there then then i'm happy to to be on camera uh, like I say, I'm not, not pretending to be anything. I'm not, I'm working with some of the biggest brains on the planet in, in those subjects, you know, and it's, it, you know, it's phenomenal. Just like a sponge, I'm soaking up words and terminology and, and, and ideas about the planet and the oceans and, and how it all fits together and how we impact on that. And, you know, there's a huge dose of adventure in that, you know, it's, it's also an adventure series. It's not just purely science based, Um, And I guess my position being that every man is to bring that science into a more accessible way so that people can understand. And by understanding something, you can then care about it. Because it's easy, right, for all of us to go down and stand at the beach and look at the sea and go, I don't know what the problem is, it looks all right. And the problem is, is you you can't see what the problems are. Um, You can't see how we are directly affecting the oceans and how they're, you know... how how the currents are even changing, um, which is has a huge effect on Earth um, and ultimately will have on us. Um so so I guess a, a big part of that series is about is about making the ocean accessible to everyone.
1: Yeah. And I mean I, I guess it's such a privilege, right? Like being part of those worlds and getting to experience it. You know, it's your job, you get paid to do it, but you are having like almost experiences money can't buy.
0: Yeah, it's, um, yeah, very much. So, you know, we, some of the things we're doing there are just, you know, to to be in a submersible and go down to a thousand meters, you know, so 3,000 feet down onto the, you know, a fairly shallow bit of the, the ocean floor and guarantee to see a view that no one has ever seen before is phenomenal. Um, you know, I'm not saying that every sub dive is amazingly interesting, Um, because with hundreds of hours of diving that you do in the subs, you know, a lot of it is going down or coming up in between and there's not a lot to see. But um, that experience on its own is, you know, there's hardly any people have have done it. It's it's like, you know, high-level privilege to be able to do it. But then also that's a big part about making a television program is that you're then able to share that idea and share that viewpoint with people who would never get to go down in the sub. Um, But also it then allows people to then care about something, you know, if they're invested in it.
1: Yeah. And so the inevitable question, how have you found the transition to fatherhood?
0: Ah, uh, that's, I mean, it's hard. It is hard. I'm 43 now, right? So I left it slightly later, which is fine. I didn't have enough stories anyway to be a dad until (laughs) this year. Um, But it's like my, my wife is obviously doing the hard yards and has done. You know, I've been away, I've been absent you know for for six months of this year that she's been pregnant we've moved house um and she's given birth on her own and and then had four more months on her own on top of that so that you know she's done the hard yards so far um but it's hard it's it's amazing the first parts that i missed was kind of like i guess bonding time for an atlas um but yeah, now it's you know starting to see character and starting to see all these things, and it's it, it just puts a whole new perspective. Actually, uh, I, I, for the first time ever, when when I was diving out in Dominican Republic, I was diving with a mother and calf whale, and the the calf was um, nursing, was feeding um, off the off the mother, and like and, and Anna had been sending me pictures of her like feeding Atlas, you know. He's, and and it just struck me for the first time this like sounds quite far out there but you know maybe I was just tired from (laughs) um but but like this idea that you know we're we're just animals and like there's a mother and calf like they're feeding and nursing and, and I'm doing the exact same thing and it was just like this smash in the face of like reality
1: yeah and this is full hippie mode full out there but like with our modern lives and the way that things are, I felt like that watching Katie feed. It was like, this has been happening for as long as humans have existed and now I'm experiencing it.
0: Yeah, and it, do you know what the hard part is, Actually the hardest part about, that I've noticed, you probably don't want to do a whole podcast about, about <laughs> having a kid, but you know, the hardest part I've noticed is the pressure that's put on from outside people, organizations, the best thing to do and it seems like everyone's got an opinion of the best way to do this thing and that thing and actually you know and i was getting quite worked up with all these things that we must do and we must do this and we must do that and because that's the pressure right the same as when you're getting married there's all these things that you must do and and, and i said to and i was like look you know if you know we, we'll just do we'll muddle through you and i are utterly average atlas utterly average you know we are we don't have an exceptional child who is crying too much or crying too little or you know we're just in the middle of the road like everyone else and like everyone else it will just be a survival game we'll have good days we'll have bad days um, and things will work and things won't work and we'll just make it work because it's happened for hundreds of thousands of years and then as soon as you take that step back like for me it was then like yeah we don't have to like go through this whole thing of you know trying to put it in a cot and make him go to sleep in there. It's like if he wants to... Maybe it's making it difficult for us, but, you know, like I've travelled all over the world and see how family groups live in longhouses in the in the jungle in, in West Papua or Indonesia and, you know, the, the whole family group are sleeping together and that must be so securing for a, a child to know that the, the the people who care for it are in, within a vicinity, like when it's sleeping.
1: Yeah, and I don't want to assume anything about about you guys but i think the problem is we've lost that kind of family child raising dynamic where everybody's so close by and you've got that like every day every second advice from parents aunts uncles other people who've had kids and all we've got is the internet and yeah. all this all the baby help books katie read about 15 i read half of one yeah and suddenly you're inundated with this if you don't do this this will happen if you do that that'll happen and it's it's overwhelming.
0: It's, it's, there's too much information there. Um, I don't know, like there's too much information there, but a lot of it feels like it should be natural and comes, you know, instinctively um, t- to looking after, you know, looking after a child that's, you know, it's been done for hundreds of thousands of years. And, you know, yeah, we, to be honest, I haven't read any books about it at all. Anna's been sort of asking me to do it. And I, I just, I'm not going to do it because, you know, I, i just feel like it it should be something that's like if he's you know brought up in a loving relationship then you know then that should be good enough to make him a decent dude um i don't know i'm, I'm like i'm you know i'm
1: only eight months nine months in same as you i'm in exactly the same boat. i just yeah maybe we're maybe maybe we're wrong maybe we should be doing more but I, it feels like it's working i don't know
0: i definitely get more sleep when he's sleeping in between us than we do if i'm putting them in the cup but i
1: mean it's go by the rules don't you, drink a bottle of whiskey you'll be all right yeah exactly yeah exactly and, and it's
0: you know i don't know we, we're just muddling through the same as everyone else and i'm sure we'll make mistakes and but ultimately like my viewpoint on it is is that we have maybe slightly different to other people but we have like if you imagine when you're a kid you have like four years we don't remember anything one to four you have like between for me four and 16 then i joined the marines i left home right so that means that effectively all my childhood memories were formed in like 10 or 11 years and then i left home so so that means thinking about atlas that means i've got 10 years to show him the most amazing upbringing and then you know it's probably gone you might get more if you're privileged you might get another four or five years before the leave for uni or whatever but that's it that's gone in a It's gone in a flash.
1: Yeah, and and we're in exactly the same boat there. And how do you now feel about being away? Yeah. Because we're both away a lot.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, it's a good question because I, you know, you could miss effectively if you're away for a third of that time. You know, your 10 years has suddenly gone down to, you know, seven years or six years of making memories with them. So it's, yeah, it's a tough one. I, my own personal opinion is, is that I'm, much happier being the person that i am doing the job that i'm doing and in a selfish way if i was to change my habits and become someone else i wouldn't be the best dad that that i would be for for atlas and you know there's i know so many people that work in this industry cameramen that are away all the time and women as well cameras producers directors um and, I, you know, I'm trying to ratify it, but, you know, like spending two weeks away in Serengeti, filming something and coming back and teaching your kids firsthand about all the things you've seen and done. And I think that's probably worth that trade off of time, you know, because effectively I could be doing a nine to five job coming home at night. I don't get to see him. He's in bed. You know, I get a day at the weekend to, to do something cool with him. Um... So it's it's a trade off like it's I'm not saying it's right, but it's right for me. And I think I will as much as I can keep doing the job that I do so that so that that kind of gets instilled in him, that sense of adventure and and risk taking risk, proper risk taking, understanding hazards and the likelihood of them happening and, and then calculating whether he should do that or shouldn't do that. And I think that's such an important part of life.
1: Yeah. And it's that if you were to actually add the minutes up, like you say, if you're doing a nine to five you get an hour and a half before bedtime, you know when you're home, I assume you're a present father right you're yeah. there
0: yeah i'm I'm doing all the all the business of being of being dad and I, I yeah i don't know I, I grew up with my dad doing shift work, he's a paramedic, so you know you know four or five days a week, you know you do day shift, night shift, back shift whatever they are you, you know you miss big chunks of And especially if your mum and dad, my mum and dad, both paramedics sometimes working on opposite shifts. So you never essentially have them all together in in one place. Um, So I think, you know, it it works at the minute. I'm not sure, um, you know, I don't know how long my line of work is going to last um, before the young guns come through and and I get sort of papped off out the way. But, you know, at the minute it's working. It's cool.
1: Yeah. It's interesting to talk about it, eh? Because I think it's, you get the roughy-toughy adventurers who perceived as being invincible and away all the time but actually you know you're a normal person with a kid and a family and bills and responsibilities
0: admin i we we just had 10 days and we just had my and my van converted into camper and uh because we're like well these are like i'm manic about it i'm like we've got 10 years to make these memories with this little dude and like instill all this wholesome goodness in it and i'm not saying that you know like the biggest problem with all of us is that we get brought up by parents and they haven't been taught Anything you know, everyone's just like muddling through, you know. So, I'm obviously the same, um, but I, I think you know, we got we got the camper van done thinking we'll have these amazing memories, and um, we traveled up around Scotland and uh, we, we sort of did Scotland and then back down and back down to Kendall, and um, it's hard work. So, we've got Atlas who's eight months, um, and then Hector who's a one year old Labrador, and uh, I'm this like international expedition traveling guy who does all these hardcore things and you know I'm stood out the back under the tailgate in the pissing rain trying to cook sausages dogs pulling my arm off like all the kids getting wet and I'm just like this is hard work <laughs> like properly properly hard work. nothing extreme nothing difficult about it just like lack of sleep but you know that's you know that's kind of that's kind of the way that I want to be want to be doing it
1: just the next challenge right
0: yeah that's it just keep going
1: yeah so we'll move on from babies before everybody gets switches off and gets bored to tears (laughs) so you also wrote a book busy boy
0: yeah well that was a lockdown project because i was out in um last time we talked was like three years ago wasn't it yeah um so i was out in south Sudan making a film about um northern white rhinos and um, we were out there for about three weeks, lockdown happened. We got pulled back out, out of the bush, like had to collapse a bush camp and evacuate like that day, um, back through into Juba and Juba to Addis and then from Addis back to London through the middle of the, like all the lockdowns. And um, kind of got home and then was like, all my work vanished for that year. Within, uh, probably same as you, like within a week, almost every job for that year had just been cancelled um and so it's quite it's quite like a worrying time self-employed freelance that's you know I'm in the same boat as you and everyone else you know it's when that evaporates you know there's no you know there's there's no like magic pay fund that pays for that you know you just lose a year's worth of income um and so I was starting to think like what the hell do I do here and um i I can i do talk about this in in the book is that like when things in the outside world smash you you know t-bone you from the side like you've got two options one of them is to just not deal with it and second thing is to it's basically to take it you know take the bull by the horns and, and get stuck into it you know ditch the first two stages of denial and deliberation and then just stuck into like making decisions so i think like within two days of of being locked down i'd sort of said i'm going to write a book in this lockdown however long it lasts um and that occupied my time obviously we weren't pregnant at the time (laughs) (laughs) it's amazing what three months at home does it is (laughs) (laughs) um and and so i just really dedicated myself to getting all the stories together and actually i had um i'd spent like the last 15 years at least on trips and expeditions, keeping dictaphone notes every night. You know, I'd be like, I'm in this place. This is the date. They always start the same. 21st of January, 2008, such and such volcano. And then I just talk about what we did during the day. Um, so I've been doing that, yeah, probably 15 or so years. That's rad. Yeah. And, uh, and some of them are like 10 seconds. Some of them are like 40 minutes. Uh, like the very... As soon as it got light on the row across atlantic after we capsized and had a mega drama like i was on the dictaphone so i've got like in real time what happened like there and then and i've recorded all of that stuff so i had all this material and, and basically i just sat down and just like plowed through it for for years like the whole ebola stuff that we talked about the last time and the row um being in the Marines sniper expeditions with steve and really just sat down and like drilled into you know, the stories and, and sort of spent that time writing that. So it's just Lessons from the Edge. it's just, just came out last month. Um, so September this year, 2021. Um, and, and And really what I didn't want to do was write a book about high adventure and, you know, this is me and I'm mega and these are all things I've done. I wanted to write a book that was like, this is a normal guy and this is all the stuff that he's done by understanding a few basic rules of life which are probably along the lines of you become what you think about. Um, You have to understand what it is that you want before you can work towards it. And then probably the biggest one is graft and process. Like no one sees that. That's the basic fundamentals of anyone who's successful is they've understood what it is that they want to do and then they've just worked hard relentlessly for however long that time is. Um, It's like how long do you work to achieve that goal until until it's done um so process and craft simple basics but the book really is about that is to inspire people to basically take charge and, and get out there and enjoy the life that they want to lead sure no not everyone wants to lead a life like we do it can be quite hectic but you know there's there's lots of things that people can do or might want to do a decision that they've been putting off that's like wrecking them mentally because they're going around in circles and it's that's what the book is about. It's like an adventure help book not self help but adventure help
1: that's a good way of putting it. you're going to trademark that. <laughs> Do you find it as easy to stick to those rules as you make out
0: no you know i'm I'm just the same as everyone else you know I lose my temper you know I'm utterly crap at some things, not exception, exceptional at anything really to be honest um but I think like if you can distill those and have a rough framework to work from, then, then you'll be ultimately much more successful exponentially than you would do if you if you didn't have that framework. So I I am very careful with the language that I use to talk to myself about what whatever situation, you know, like at Kendall there just go up and stand and talk in front of four hundred people. You know, it's very easy to shit talk myself before it um you know it, it, you, you found that out as well you know it's, it's very easy to shit talk yourself like in a way that you wouldn't let someone else do it so i've you know I'm, I'm quite careful of the language i use to talk to myself in all situations um and that can that can have quite a positive impact on on performance across the board and it's, it's amazing and you look at uber confident people and it's usually kids that have you know had quite a nice free loving upbringing but they have the confidence to in their like courage in their own conviction you know they've got confidence in the thing that they're doing and if you have confidence and conviction in that thing it's very difficult to fail you know you're I think our brains are hardwired to be success mechanisms you know they're like what like whatever the talk is in your head, subconsciously negative or positive, your your brain almost works like a heat-seeking missile to to like dial straight into that thing. So if you're continually worrying about this one thing, this fear of this thing, it's highly likely that you'll engineer a situation that that thing will happen. You know, a brain's a, I, I mean, I, like I'm not a psychologist, and you know, I just know that that these things
1: for me have been tried and tested um but only as you're saying it i realized that that's exactly you know it's yeah. that sub kind of subconscious doing the same thing of the, the power of positive self-talk like well this. i
0: mean it's like the opposite of shit talk instead of saying oh god why would someone come and listen to me doing this talk it's like these are five reasons why someone is paying money to come and listen to me talk to them because i've done x y and z and it's you know it's You would never have that conversation with someone else because that sounds arrogant but you know sometimes you need to have that confidence in yourself and and that courage in your own conviction and you know that's how it starts is just that 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 um being careful with the sort of language you use and following those basic rules understand what it is that you want to achieve because lots of people are very successful in the things that they're doing You know, if you're a school teacher teaching kids and that's all you've ever wanted to do, then you're successful. If you've drifted into a job and you're not entirely sure why you're there or what you're doing or what purpose you're serving, then, you know, it could be said that, you know, that's not successful. Um, So I think, like, doing the basics and doing them well, have a goal um, and just work bloody hard and get to it is, like, it's such a powerful, easy, attainable thing for absolutely anyone to do. So the book's kind of, like... You know, it's not, it's not like lesson one, do this, lesson two. It's much more, I was doing this thing in a volcano and this happened and this is what I
1: learned from it. And how do you balance imposter syndrome with ego? Uh,
0: as you know, ego gets you killed um, in in jobs like, like what we do. And, I, you know, I, I'm uber cautious with, with everything. And, and I think I'm, I think by being cautious and modest, in the line of work that I do is is good because you know the opposite of that is you know is is potentially quite harmful um and so I don't ever think I I don't ever have an ego about how good I am at things because I've seen like I, I continually get my ass handed to me on a job where I'm just like I did not see that coming like that could have been a huge mistake luckily it wasn't and I've got away with it this time but like how did you miss that? Why did you miss that? Um, and then, so I guess it's just that balance of. I don't know. It, it is a fine balance, you know. It's you don't want to be too cocky about things, and but then also it's like have courage in your own convictions. Like you have rigged this rope. I know you're hanging four hundred meters free hang, but you rigged it. I rigged it. You know, I know exactly how that's rigged, and it's absolutely safe. So it's 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 yeah, it's a trade off.
1: It's interesting hearing you talk about it because often it's people like you yeah. and Waldo that look after me. Yeah. And I, it's, for me, it's slightly different because I have to trust you. Yeah. And that's an interesting team dynamic, right? Like, There's no, I always say, like,
0: the, the bonds forged in warfare or expedition are like second to none. You know, like when you physically put your life, like your time on this planet, in someone else's hand like there is nothing more on earth that you can do that that effectively renders you lying on your back with your belly up, you know, waiting for them to do the right thing and the wrong thing. Um, And so it's, yeah, it's it's a really interesting, trust is like for you and I, when we work together and I rig something and I tell, you know, but trust doesn't come overnight, you know, trust is hard to gain and easy to lose. And it only takes one, thing to lose trust and and to have someone then mention that to someone else and you know effectively your career could be over um so really it's it's about judgment and experience and and i'm always the first to say this is way way out of my like depth of knowledge and i have no idea what what to do here in in general terms this is how we are going to look after ourselves and get through this next hour two hours ten hours but the technicalities of it like this is over to you this is your partnership
1: yeah yeah, it's interesting. And speaking of, um, it's a nice segue into looking after people, but does it, I don't want to say does it matter more, does it feel like there's more pressure when it's Will Smith? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's,
0: so I just finished filming um, Welcome to Earth, which is the second sort of uh, installment of Will Smith stuff um, on Disney Plus and National Geographic. I, no, not to me and not in those situations. I've worked with. You know, some fairly high profile A-listers across the board, Hollywood A-listers, um, for the last, like, 10 or 15 years. All lives are valuable and have the same, um, tools and, and processes in place to, to protect them. You know, one mistake on one of these jobs is catastrophic, not just for the shoot, um, and the companies involved with that, but for the industry in, in general. Um, so everything needs to be double bomb-proof, um, But when it comes to working with high net worth, uber rich or famous people, then there's just more things, processes that need to be in place. You know, there's bigger teams and there's bigger teams because there are more risks that come with it. You know, when you're working with a um, a very famous Hollywood actor in a specific area, you know, if it was just you and I going there, we wouldn't need security, for example, whereas you do then need security and then those security need people who feed them. And, you know, everything... Everything just grows, um, sort of arms and legs. But no, all lives are exactly, no one gets, you know, an expedition, you know this, that, that no one gets any special treatment. And it's often, it's often quite nice to see these guys and girls out on trips and expeditions because they, you know, all the trappings of their normal life are, are no longer there. And, and actually, you see their physical sort of appearance change, their shoulders drop, there's like less stress, um, and they're actually enjoying being in that environment. And it's, it's that whole outdoor environment is, is the leveler of everyone. You know, everyone's cold and wet. Everyone's warm. Everyone's, you know, hot. Everyone's, you know, getting pissed off with, you know, such and such not arriving. So it's it's that great leveler of, of people. Um, so, yeah, it, all lives are equally as valuable.
1: Yeah, that's the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what were you doing with... Will?
0: Uh, it's, it's a very cool series, um, certain Disney Plus. Um, and it, it's effectively um, bits of science and expedition work. And, and also he's out on some of the expeditions as well. Um, so we're in Iceland, um, doing some cool stuff up there with Dwayne Fields in, in Um And then the ones that I was involved with were in Namibia. I'm um, doing a shoot down there on the big cave shoot down there and uh, volcano in South Pacific, um, just really like all over the planet doing some very cool things. Worked with Waldo as well in in Namibia, um, but yeah, it's it's um, it's going to be pretty awesome. I can't wait to see it actually.
1: Oh yeah, because that's I suppose that's again the other side of the coin is I sit there through the edits. So you just wait till it's finished.
0: That's it. Like we, you know, you guys do all the hard work with producing, like with. I don't know, casting with getting all the kit together, carneys travel, you know, I just turn up and, you know, do the job and then go home and don't see it until until it's finished. You know, you guys are bored of hearing the same line over and over again and trying to think, God, we've got no story or how do we make this work and that work? So it's it's always good for me to see the finished result. And I suppose the other thing as well is, you, you know, with every shoot like that, you put your reputation on the line because there are 10 people, 100 people that are sat at home going... I wouldn't tie that knot that way or why are they using that kit or you know this you know you should have done that in that way and not this way and and it's 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 a bit of a minefield in that way but you know you try and do the best that you can in time and often what you can't ever show on on television is just the complexity of all other things that are happening um you know camera might have you know you're in the jungle and the camera packs in and then suddenly you're shooting on something else or You know you completely lose a sequence or part of a sequence because something's happened the camera's gone down a river or um or you've just you know it's fallen down a a cave so it's you know there's like a million things that could happen that can ultimately affect the, the end product so it's you know it's you're putting your name on the line but also it's great to see it
1: do you still enjoy it as much as you always have
0: love it i'm like yeah this is going back to what we just chatted about that weird segue into sort of uh I don't know personal development but but I you know I haven't landed doing the job that I do by accident you know I didn't just leave the Marines and end up doing this. you know it's very definitely a plan and followed that plan through, and it's you know it's it in a way it's not a surprise that isn't me being big headed or ego. it's not a surprise because you know anyone can achieve it, you know you just have the plan this is what I need to do, it's like a gap analysis. these are the things that I need to be able to do to do that job so I go away and do those things you know it's always been that simple to me
1: how are you any good with failure
0: uh yeah um I guess yeah I think fa- I think failure is one of those things that is, goes hand in hand with success or maybe another way to look at it is you, you know I'm continually bouncing from one failure to another you know like um a heat seeking missile is is a collection of errors and a, co- a correction uh, a collection of errors or a collection of of mistakes you know it doesn't go from a to b and land on the target you know it goes slightly off track gps corrects it slightly off track gps corrects it you know so you're like pinballing um you know to eventually get onto target and that's the way i see life really is you know you they probably make more mistakes than you make good decisions or if you're not making any decisions then you sort of dodge along doing not very much. Um so yeah. I think like I think failure is just part of, you know, your brain I think your brain is hardwired for success. So failure is just like one of those little like segues. It's just like, well that didn't work. Right, let's change this. Let's bounce on to you know, re roll onto that, do this. You know,
1: but I, I I think a lot about society and the way that we speak to each other. And I think like people are either seen as a success or they're a failure and I just think it's so flawed I mean
0: I mean it's it, it I mean the subject is so massive if you like the example I used earlier if you're a school teacher and you're teaching kids and that's what you wanted to do from when you were a kid and now you're doing it then you're a success you know like everyone's you know the worst thing that anyone can do is compare their inside to someone else's outside you know you're, you're comparing. You're, self to someone else it's like apples and oranges it's, it's like it doesn't why would you do that um so success is different and it's different you know we very much use money and wealth and fame as these indicators of of success but there are so many other things like look at happiness and if you you know if we, if we suddenly went into a world where everyone got paid the same you know we go communist and everyone gets paid the same Thing for their job would you do the same job the, the answer for me is yes you know I'd I, you know I'd be doing, if I was a millionaire I'd be doing this job because I love it I love interacting with people I love the environment I love the challenge I love all these things this is exactly what I wanted to do when I joined the scouts when I was like 10 or 11 whenever it was and I'm doing it now the thing is is that when that changes or when you know when it suddenly all gets taken away from you for whatever illness or I don't know something changes circumstances smash you from the side um then then i would hope that i would be able to re-roll into doing something else um it's a tough one because you never know until it happens to you you don't know how you know if i get struck down with cancer or, or you know i don't know heart condition or you know something that, that was about to be you know make my life you know so much shorter than it you know than it would be if i was through, through misadventure then i don't know how how i would how i would react to it i would hope that i would react to it by by getting on with it
1: well like you say skip the first two steps and start making a plan exactly yeah make a plan and the last time we spoke was actually i've forgotten we had done it we did this, that solitude thing in lockdown and you yes. spoke a little bit about that um and you were talking about how you've been reading the stoics and yeah i suppose that's it like success is it's that whole it's never moving target isn't it it's not yeah. like a, a finite end thing and I actually interviewed Victor Saunders, is that where you are now, yesterday, wow. and he was just like, "It's a, it's just you want to be aiming for successes that you don't quite know if they're possible, but you make yeah. a plan to bring them to life, and failures just, I don't know, feels like it's a, a stage in the process." I,
0: I, yeah, I don't ever. It's not even a word really. It's in my vocabulary. Yes, there's not being able to achieve something or, or being turned away, but I, you know, it doesn't mean that. For me personally, it doesn't ever mean that it's a failure. It means that, right, I need to either do this at a different time of year. I need to, I'm, I'm not good enough. Um, you know, that's you know, That's the bottom line is sometimes, you know, being honest is, you know, why didn't that work? Is it me? Is it because I'm involved in it? Is it because I don't have the skill set to be able to do that thing? And that's not a negative talk. That's That's really just doing, you know, simply dealing with facts you know the facts are i'm not good enough to do that thing therefore i need to change x y and z to be able to achieve that
1: or i fucked that up that was on me
0: classic yeah that was on me i I did fuck that up and you know that's my fault wouldn't happen again what's that story about um when uh was it henry ford someone anyway they went up in a plane and and it crashed because the engineer had forgot to do something on the plane and and then You know, he then says, get it ready. We're going back up in an hour and you're fixing it. And that's the thing, you know, like when you make a mistake and it's a big one, you're not going to make that same mistake again. Um, So it's almost like the safest time and the safest person to be doing that thing again better is the person who made the mistake.
1: Well, that's really because you talked earlier about trust and how trust works. And I actually trust people a a lot more once I've seen them make mistakes and own it and seen them like, you go, Oh, that's how you react to that. Okay, sweet. Well now I know that you're vulnerable, yeah. humble, yeah. you know, it's all possible. Integrity
0: is is like the, the big part of that is that if you do make a mistake, you know, everyone makes mistakes. Making the same mistake twice is probably not acceptable. No. You know, and especially if it's big mistakes. Um, but you know, it's like the heat seeking missile again. It's a correction, a collection of corrections or errors that brings it onto the target. So, you know, you sort of pinball between these wrong decisions, bad decisions, good decisions.
1: Um, So I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm sorry, but I'm I'm quite keen on bearded alpha male white dudes being vulnerable at the minute. (laughs) (laughs) It's all the rage. So what have you fucked up?
0: Uh, Loads. Um, I think, you know, generally when I'm doing my job, um, mistakes would come down to just being over, overworked, like having lots on and just simply not being quick enough to spot something. Um, so if it's on a big wall like for you know the ones that hurt the most are mistakes that cause you physical pain for me you know and that's like you know messing up a you know the release system on a like in a hall and you've got to then go back down and fix it and it's like it should be something that's really basic Um, I don't know I always think also with mistakes it's like much more about how you how you own it and if no one's watching How do you own it? Like, I always think the mark of a person is what they do when they think no one's watching. Um, And I do that loads. Like, there's loads of times I'll do something where I think, I don't know, let's say a piece of paper falls out of my pocket and I'm like, this this is a bad example because I don't do it, but, like, I could simply think, I didn't see that. And then I'd have to deal with that all day, the fact that I didn't pick that piece of paper up. Whereas, like, it's much easier just to do the thing. Like, whatever that thing is you think is going to cause you pain in the future, just do it now. But, um, mistakes personal life is is lack of judgment with you know how you think something might go down or accepting a job you know without really discussing it properly and you know and being selfish in this line of work kind of uh requires you to have a certain degree of selfishness to be able to do it um and to want to do it um so maybe a lack of judgment is is quite a good example of like misjudging a situation where you like really upset someone um and that's usually my wife, you know, the, the person that you spend most time with and can really piss off by, by a lack of judgment a lack of self-awareness, probably.
1: Yeah. And so you are by your own metric and rules as success and you are successful. Um, what haven't you done that you want to?
0: Um, yeah, weird. I I class myself as... Successful in the fact that i'm doing what I want to do um that's very much like you know as you say that 's the metric that I judge the success by um and I know what it is that I want to do, and i 'm doing it so right so that's I'm successful um i don't know how long that lasts doing what i'm doing in this job. I know that barring utter catastrophe, I will probably be all right, and if this goes away, then i'll end up doing something else or doing something else. What I have found is that being outside, thrashing myself in in quite hard environments is something that like gets me off like it's It's my thing that makes me feel human makes me enjoy life and 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 also you know when you like when I came back from Iraq, probably it was a turning point where I realized just how short and fragile life was and that and that I'm not talking in a morbid way about like dying early or young I'm talking about even if you can live to 100 years old and push it out and push it out for 100 years it's an absolute blink of an eye it's an an utter non-event generally and yet we try and put point and all this stuff into it and and so for me understanding and knowing that life is so short I want to experience as many um I want to experience as much as many things as I can um so I think that would be anyway what's on the list I watched Nimsy's film last night and it made me realize that you know in my head I I think I'm a mountaineer I'm like oh, I'm a climber I'm a mountaineer look I've even got the climbing shoes on or the approach shoes and I, like I've got the duvet jacket so I'm a climber right when was the last time I actually went and climbed and did something that was in the Himalayas I haven't climbed in the Himalayas but I'd love to go and um climbing the Himalayas so I think something like that for me that's personal that's that's you know that, that's not work and that is challenging and is utterly set up for failure or success and and something that I can learn and stretch from I think
1: it's so interesting man because like we, we've both got kids now and I I don't know about you but I now look back on the last 10 years and I've just gunned hard at this career the whole time I've traveled the world a few times around but every single time it's been because someone asked me to. Yeah. And I've never really travelled for myself.
0: That's, that's, that's the conundrum that we work in, is that when you're self-employed and that's your job, it's very difficult. And actually I've really, if I'm being honest, only done it once in recent times, and that was rowing across Atlantic. You know, there was no cameras, no film team, excuse me. It was, it was a, you know, a true adventure that, five mates set out to, to go and do this thing. And um, I kind of noticed that when I did that talk this morning that you know, I haven't done anything for myself in a while. And, um, you know, you have to be careful, obviously, like with family and making sure that that's all cool because work is, is, can be so busy. But, you know, w- coming here and watching the films and then, and then really really just then thinking, I, you know, for me, a big mountain. Is, is like something that is left to do and, and I would love to do and it's for so many other reasons. Um, another, you know, it's, it's just something that's, you know, it was a passion very early on in my life and then I just got too busy doing other stuff. Um,
1: so yeah, it would be that. There are some unfinished things to tick. Yeah, for sure. Nice, cool. I always ask people two questions at the end. I've asked you them before. Uh, i hoping you can't remember the answers. I can
0: and I hate being put on the spot. <laughs>
1: What scares you?
0: Oh, uh, that's a good one. Uh, speaking about expedition terms, white water—it scares the bejesus out of me. And you know, like I know loads of world-class paddlers, but you know, and every time Steve asks me to go on one of these expeditions, it's you know, it's my least favorite and the most worrisome and the the genuine real. Jeopardy, You know, I, even on a big wall when you're climbing, you know, I would never be at the, the point where, you know, I'm leading epic routes. It's just, you know, I'm not that good a climber. But even on a big wall with exposure and all those things, it's like much more drawn out. And you can kind of like get into the zone or on a big mountain. You can kind of get in the zone. But with, with paddling, it's so dynamic and so fraught with with hazard after hazard after hazard that I just find it pretty stressful so white water does scare me a bit
1: i might be wrong but is it because you haven't got that much experience yeah
0: yeah yeah i don't have you know i've hardly any experience i've done maybe four or five sort of big river trips um and yeah not great at paddling either um so it's, it's probably a mix of all of that um and like i say in the jack of all trades you know it's just such a dynamic environment that you can't come in as a an outsider and and and, and sort of pretend to have a knowledge of it because you know that would definitely get you killed
1: mm. yeah what brings you hope what brings me hope
0: this is so you get smashed a lot by climate change by what's happening with the world and um and there's no way of there's no there's no way of putting this in a term that makes it, uh, this is horrible. Um, I, I was on a, a glacier recently and um, I was working with a glaciologist up in, in Svalbard and I found a fossil underneath the glacier. We were walking off and the glacier had retreated. You know, it's depressing up there. You know, that is the canary in the coal mine, Svalbard in, in the Arctic. And we had been working on a glacier. We had sort of yomped off and the glacier had retreated like five miles in the last X amount of um years like you can see it it's like a shadow of its former self and i found a fossil of a bivalve there like a um, shellfish there which is utterly mind-boggling you know we, we were sort of worried about the glaciers melting which rightly we should be but here is a sign of life that was once on the seabed that was now under a glacier which was then melting so it kind of in my head was like well everything's changing the planet's changing so i said to the volcanologist i was like weirdly this this feels like this gives me hope you know everything is in the state of change and he said you are right he said you know that the planet is changing and it's very in a very very bad way at the minute but humans will be wiped out um and then the planet will restore itself again and i don't know if that's really something that gives me hope but the ever-changing way of the the planet and finding that fossil underneath the I, you know, after so many years, it was just like, I suppose it just hammered home the point that the planet is continually changing. As a segue to that, I'm not saying that we're all right doing what we're doing with regards to, to the climate. I'm just, you know, at that point in time, speaking to him, it was it was quite an interesting take on, you know, what's happening with the planet.
1: No, I get it. I think as well, like I, I would disagree with him ever so slightly, even though I'm just a photographer, but I don't think we will get wiped out. I think we'll just... You know, we were at risk of losing massive numbers of people, but we we're a little bit too clever to get fully gone.
0: I mean, we we are kind of in the exponential age now where, where, yes, that might happen on Earth, but, you know, we are now at the very cusp of becoming, you know, a galactic species. We're, we're going to be moving off planet Earth and into space and onto other planets. Now, whether people like that or not, that's happening. You know, we've got Jeff Bezos... Richard Branson, Virgin, um, who else, have, uh, uh, Elon Musk, like they're all in space in, in, in you know, the same year and the same month probably, you know, so we're at this exponential age where, where things are about to to ramp up to extreme levels and yeah, exactly, you know, people are going to leave the planet.
1: No, but I take your point about the hopeful side of, you know, the planet has always changed. We have experienced mass extinctions. The sad thing is that we're causing it. We're causing
0: it. That's right It's, it's the Anthropocene. You know, we're. You know, I'm not clever enough to to fully get my head around it. But you know, we are now, forever, indelibly, you know, marked. You know, our position on planet Earth. You know, there's. You know, in the layers of the the very dirt and earth, um, forever. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm not condoning that in any way, shape, or form. I hope that hasn't been taking it for context don't jump cut that into something yeah yeah (laughs) says it doesn't matter yeah Um, but yeah that's yeah there is hope
1: yeah nice I'm with you we'll leave it there thanks dude thanks man thanks for listening for more information check us out on instagram at the adventure podcast the podcast is a cold house production and is hosted by matt pycroft and produced and distributed by orla omari and alex hall if you'd like to get in touch with a guest suggestion or to give us some feedback then you can do so at info at the adventure podcast.co.uk.